Chapter 17 of The Pony Rider Boys in Texas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brett Downey. The Pony Rider Boys in Texas by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter 17 Making New Friends. Professor Zeppelin, fully as wet as the others, met the returning outfit. Everybody was wet. It seemed to have become their normal condition. Did you get the wagon over? asked Tad. You bet, replied the foreman. As soon as we all get all the water shook out of that heathen, we'll set him to making coffee for the outfit. It's too near dark now to do any more work. And besides, I guess the cattle are bedded down for the night. I think they're ready for a night's rest along with ourselves. What happened to that pony? I'm sure I don't know, answered Tad. That was too bad, wasn't it? Cramps, I guess, suggested Bigfoot. They've been known to have them in the water. That water must have had had an iceberg in it somewhere up the state. Never saw such an all-fired cold water in my life. Phew! That's one pony more we've got to buy, that's all. But I don't care. I'd rather lose the whole bunch of them than have anything happen to the Pinto, announced the foreman. Or the cook, added Tad with a smile. Yes, it's a very serious matter for an outfit of this kind to lose its cook. We could get along without a foreman very well, but not without a cook. Especially when you have a bunch of hungry boys with you. What about the new ponies? I'll ride over to Colonel McClure's ranch in the morning and see what we can do. You may go with me if you wish. I should like to very much. Is that where you expect to get the other herd of cattle as well? Yes. Better take an earlier trick on guard tonight but we shall start right after breakfast in the morning. Very well, replied Tad. Guess I'll get my coffee now. Bigfoot Sanders was already helping himself to the steaming beverage when Tad reached the chuck wagon. Well, kid, what about it? greeted the big cowman. What about what? Trouble. Tad smiled broadly. There does seem to be plenty of it. And plenty more coming. You'll see more fun before we clear of this part of the country. I don't very well see how we can have much more of it. I should imagine we have had our share. Wait. We'll be here three or four days yet, and maybe more, warned the cowboy. Tad went out with the second guard that night. Contrary to the expectations of Bigfoot Sanders and some others, the night passed without incident, next morning dawning bright and beautiful. For some reason the foreman decided, at the last moment, that he would not go to the Oxbow Ranch. Instead, he instructed Bigfoot Sanders to take three of the men with him and pick out what ponies they needed from Colonel McClure's stock. They were to bring the animals out to camp where the boys would break them in. Tad set out with them, after a hurried breakfast, leaving his young companions to amuse themselves as best they could. "'How far do we have to ride, Bigfoot?' asked the lad after they were in their saddles. "'Mile or two, I guess. It's been a long time since I was through these parts.' There's that church I've been telling you about. Where? There, near the bedding down ground. Seems as though the boss might have put the cows further away from the place. Tad surveyed the structure with keen interest. The white stalls of the old adobe church reflected back the morning light in a whitish glare. About the place he observed a rank growth of weeds and evil cacti, the only touch of life to be seen being the birds that were perched on its crumbling ridges, gaily piping their morning songs. It looks deserted. I reckon it is, answered Bigfoot. 
Anyway, it ought to be. Ain't fit for human beings to roost in. Huh. I don't believe there is anything spooky about that building. I'm going to investigate the first time I get the chance. Have we time to stop this morning? No. We'll have to be getting along. The ponies we are after will have to be hobbled and got back to camp somehow. I expect we'll have a merry circus with them. If we get back in time for supper, we'll be lucky. That will be fun, exulted Tad. Mr. Stallings promised me I might break one of them. My pony having been drowned, I should like to break a fresh one for myself. And break your neck at the same time. I know you've got the sand, but you let that job out, kid. You don't know them broncos. I thought you said I was no longer a tenderfoot, laughed Tad. Sure thing, but this is different. I'll chance it. You show me the pony I cannot ride, and I will confess that I am a tenderfoot. Their arrival at the Oxbow Ranch was the signal for all the dogs on the place to try out their lungs, whereat a dozen cowboys appeared to learn the cause of the uproar. The McClure house stood a little back, nestling under a bluff covered with scant verdure, but well screened from the biting northers of the Texas winter. Further to the south were the ranch buildings, corrals, a cookhouse, and a log cabin, outside of which hung any number of bridles and saddles, some of which the ranchers were mending and polishing when Stallings' men arrived on the scene. Bigfoot introduced himself and was received with many a shout and handshake. Bill Blake, the foreman of the ranch, after greeting the new arrival, turned inquiringly to Tad Butler, who had dismounted. "'I didn't know you used kids in your business, Bigfoot,' he grinned. Bigfoot flushed under the imputation. "'Maybe you call him a kid, but if you'd seen the lad work, you'd change your mind mighty quick,' answered the big cowman, with a trace of irritation in his voice. He explained to Blake what the boy was doing with the outfit, at the same time relating some of the things that the slender, freckle-faced boy from the east had accomplished. "'Shake, Pinto!' exclaimed Bill Blake cordially. "'I reckon Mr. McClure would like to talk with you. Bigfoot and I have got some business over in the ranch house, you see,' smiled the foreman. "'I see,' replied Tad, though not wholly sure whether he did or not. "'He's over there talking with his boss Wrangler now. "'Come along, and I'll give you a first-class knockdown to him.' Tad found the ranch owner to be a man of refinement and kindly nature, yet whose keen, quizzical eyes seemed to take the lad in from head to foot in one comprehensive glance. "'So you are learning the business, eh? "'That's right, my lad. "'That's the way to go about it, "'and there's no place like a drive to learn it. "'for that's where a man meets about every experience "'that comes in the life of a cowman.' "'Tan explained about the pony riders "'and that their trip was in the nature of a pleasure jaunt, "'they being accompanied by Walter Perkins's instructor, "'and that they were with the outfit "'for but a brief trip only. "'Mr. McClure became interested at once. "'I should like to hear more about your experiences,' he said. "'Won't you come up to the house with me "'while your man talks horse with my foreman?' Tad flushed slightly as he glanced down over his rough, dust-covered clothes. "'I—I'm afraid I'm not fit, sir.' "'Tut-tut. We ranchers learn to take a man for what he is worth, not for what he has on. You have been riding. Naturally, you would not be expected to appear in broadcloth. No more do we expect you to. Had I a son, I should feel far better satisfied to see him as you stand before me now than in the finest of clothes. Come, I want you to meet my family.' Tad, somewhat reluctantly, followed the rancher to his house. Much to the lad's discomfiture, he was ushered into the drawing-room of the first southern home he had ever entered. "'Be seated, sir. I will call my daughters,' 
We have so few guests here that the girls seldom see anyone during the time they are home from school. Mr. McClure left the room, and Tad, after choosing a chair that he considered least liable to be soiled by his dusty clothes, sat down, gazing about him curiously. He found himself in a room that was by far the handsomest he had ever seen, while from the walls a long line of family ancestors looked down at him from their gilt frames. Tad had found time only for a brief glance about him when the sound of voices attracted his attention. At first he was unable to decide whence the voices came. They seemed to be in the room with him, yet there was no one there save himself. Turning about, he discovered that a curtained doorway led directly into another room, and that it was from the adjoining room that the sound had come. "'You say Ruth is bad again today, Margaret?' "'No, mother, I would not say that exactly. She does not seem to be quite herself.' and I thought it best to tell you. I feared that perhaps she was going to have one of her old attacks. Say nothing to her of your suspicions. The last one passed over, I think largely because we appeared to treat her mood lightly. Poor child! She has never ceased to grieve for the man whom her parents refused to permit her to marry. I think your Aunt Jane made a grievous mistake. I told her so plainly when she brought Ruth here to us, hoping she might forget her youthful love affair. Tad Butler's cheeks burned. That he had unwittingly played eavesdropper troubled him not a little. The boy rose, and walking to a window on the further side of the room, stood with hat crumpled in both hands behind him, gazing out. The voices ceased, yet a moment later Tad started and turned sharply. "'Well, young man, what are you doing here?' Before him he saw a woman just short of middle age. He inferred at once that she was the elder of the two women, whom he had heard speaking behind the curtain. "'I am waiting for Mr. McClure,' answered Tad, bowing politely, his face flushing under its tan. "'Does he know that you are here?' she asked in a milder tone. "'Oh, yes. He asked me to wait here until he returned.' "'Pardon me. I—' "'Ah, here you are, my dear. I have been looking for you. I wish you to meet Master Thaddeus Butler, who, with three companions and a tutor, is crossing the state with the Miller herd. It is the most unique vacation in these days. Master Butler, this is Mrs. McClure. My daughters will join us in a moment. Mrs. McClure shook hands cordially with their young guest. Welcome to Oxbow, she smiled. At first, as your back was turned to me, I took you for one of the men. Instantly you faced me, I saw the mistake I had made. Won't you be seated? Under her cordial manner, Tad Butler was soon at his ease. Almost before he was aware of the fact, Mrs. McClure had drawn from him the main facts relating to the journeyings of the pony riders. Mrs. McClure's two daughters, Sadie and Margaret, entered the room soon afterwards, Tad being presented to them. Margaret, the elder of the two, was a fair-haired girl of perhaps nineteen years, while her sister Sadie, who was darker, Tad judged to be about his own age. Both girls shook hands smilingly with their guest. "'I hope you will pardon me for appearing in such disreputable condition,' begged the lad. "'I really am not fit to be seen.' His quaint way of putting it brought forth a general laugh. "'You need make no apology. We are all ranchers here. Even my daughters and my niece ride, and sometimes accompany the foreman on drives from one part of the ranch to another. As for my niece, though brought up in the east, she is a born cattlewoman. There is hardly a cowman on the place who can ride better than she.' "'Your man tells us that you are the best horseman in your outfit,' said Mr. McClure. "'I don't think I quite deserve that compliment, sir,' answered Tad. "'But I'm very fond of horses, 
I find, by kind treatment, one can do almost anything with them. My idea exactly, nodded Mr. McClure approvingly. The cowpuncher doesn't look at it that way, however. He wouldn't feel at home on a horse that didn't break the monotony by bucking now and then. Did you ever ride a bucker? Once. I expect to break one of the animals I understand we are to get from you. His host whistled softly. You have a large contract on hand, young man. The ponies I am turning off are the worst specimens we ever had on the ranch. Some of them never had a bridle on, for the very good reason that no one has ever been able to get close enough to them to put bridles on. I hope you will not be foolish enough to try to break any of that stock. Oh, we'll rope them and get a headstall on anyway. The rest will come along all right, I think, smiled Tad. Ah, my niece, Miss Brayton, exclaimed the rancher, introducing a young woman who had just entered the room. With the Miller outfit? she asked. Yes, answered Tad. Who is your foreman? Stallings, Bob Stallings. Tad thought Miss Brayton one of the most beautiful women he had ever seen, yet there was something about her that affected him strangely. Perhaps it was her abrupt manner of speaking. At any rate, the lad experienced a sense of uneasiness the moment she entered the room. He did not stop to ask himself why. Tad merely knew that this was true. Miss Brayton had little to say, but her quietness was more than atoned for by the vivacity of Sadie and Margaret. As Tad was taking his leave, the entire family accompanied him out into the yard. "'If your duties will permit, we should like to have you and your companions dine with us tomorrow evening,' said Colonel McClure. "'Yes, by all means,' added Mrs. McClure. "'Yes, Mr. Butler, we should love to have you,' added Sadie. "'Besides, we want to meet your friends,' said Margaret. "'I am sure we would enjoy coming.' seems almost an imposition for four of us boys to camp out in your dining-room at the same time, laughed Tad. I assure you that it will be doing us a favor, protested the rancher. You will bring your professor also. We'll have a real family party. Tad somewhat reluctantly agreed to bring his companions, though he disliked the idea of going to so fine a place for dinner in their rough, weather-beaten clothing. The boy bade them all good-bye and strode off towards the corral, where the ponies were being roped, preparatory to being taken over to the miller herd. "'Oh, Mr. Butler!' Tad wheeled sharply. Ruth Brayton was hurrying towards him. The lad lifted his hat courteously and awaited the young woman's approach. "'Yes, Miss Brayton? Tell me again who your foreman is.' "'Bob Stallings.' "'Stallings! Stallings! Where have I heard that name before?' mused the girl, staring at Tad with vacant eyes. "'Are you sure it isn't Hamilton? Robert Hamilton?' "'Quite sure,' smiled the lad. "'Do you know a cowboy or foreman by that name?' "'No, I never heard the name before.' Miss Brayton turned abruptly and hurried away. Tad heard her repeating the name of his foreman as she walked swiftly towards the ranch house. End of chapter 17 Recording by Brett Downey